Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this evening? Happy Saturday, everyone out there. Happy and blessed Easter Saturday, and welcome to episode 428 of the Welcome to Asgard podcast, where tonight we are going to talk about the Super Mario Brothers movies box office, because if the numbers that are being projected right now hold the inevitability of the movie crossing a billion dollars becomes all but guaranteed. Now, obviously, the pineapple on pizza will not be consumed until it does cross the billion-dollar mark, but based on the numbers that we're seeing, I would not be surprised if that was just a couple of short weeks away at this point, especially since there is no competition for this movie up until the beginning of May. And even though we are getting very close to May, we still have at least two full weeks of release time for this movie to be able to rack up its totals domestically, continue to rack them up internationally, and add even more, seeing that this film has yet to release in various countries. And though I do think that some people are overestimating how much the film is going to make in places like Japan and South Korea, I still think it's going to do very well there. I don't think it's going to do nearly as well as they think it's going to. Those are still going to be strong contenders, strong performers, which is just going to add to the already massive totals. So we'll talk about that tonight. We'll also talk a little anime, because as you all know, if you've been following the channel, I was able to see on Thursday, Suzume. I assume that's the correct pronunciation, which is the latest film to be released by now someone who I think is, is one of my favorite uh, anime filmmakers, obviously with, with Miyazaki having uh, had such a huge successful run uh, with Studio Ghibli and Studio Ghibli in general, even the non-Miyazaki films being phenomenal. This one director has just been really consistently good, Makoto Shinkai, uh, who did Suzume. And so we're going to talk about that and also his uh, series of films that he has done and where kind of my mind is on those films as I'm actually in the process of rewatching them because of, uh, you know, even though Suzume was definitely not my favorite of his and definitely had uh, had some issues, uh, ultimately was a very, very good time. And so we'll talk about that tonight as well. Before getting any further, though, please make sure you smash that like button, a lot of that fire button if you're watching over on Odyssey and smash the rumble button as well. We got Abomination hanging out over on Odyssey. Thank you very much, good sir, for hanging out with us this morning for the Salty Saturday podcast. Uh, if you missed the Salty Nerd podcast this morning on the Salty Nerd podcast channel, make sure to check that out. We had the Critical Drinker with us, and it was a darn good time. Even though I, I have no knowledge of, of Star Trek Picard, which is what the primary discussion was about, even though I have only knowledge of DS9 when it comes to Star Trek specifically, and if I accidentally said Star Wars earlier, I apologize, but I obviously meant Star Trek. Um, but again, my my knowledge of Star Trek is very, very limited to DS9 exclusively, and then a handful of episodes from Next Gen. Uh, I am working and, and planning out going ahead to uh, you know watch all of the original Star Trek and then try to watch things in order if I can, but it was a really great discussion. Uh, Critical Jinker is just, and again, a stand-up guy and just a, uh, an awesome dude in general. So make sure if you have not and did not watch earlier, check out the Saltier Podcast and the Salty Saturday stream. It's always a ton of fun. But anyway, 
Thank you again, Abomination, for hanging out here earlier. Uh, or rather, over there earlier. Kinkin Rumshki hanging out over on Rumble. Pineapple Watch Day 11. Yes. Um, and like I said, I think it's going to still be a couple more weeks at least, um, based off of where the film is now. Um, it is, again, slowing, as any film does after its opening weekend, but not slowing nearly enough for a billion dollars to be off the table. Uh, I'll go ahead and, of course, uh, pull that up in a little bit and show you right now where the actual projections for the box office for this movie will be and what they will be if the numbers, again, that are currently being projected continue to hold. And let's just say massive amounts of profits at the very least, right? And again, I am not a fan of this movie. It's not because of the bet. It's because I just didn't think it was that good. And I think that the excuse, it's a kid's movie, it's an animated movie, or whatever that excuse is going to be, is not good enough. And uh, I know this because uh, Baby Thor is obsessed with the film Up, right? So he goes through different phases, right? He likes to go back to Star Wars, the OG trilogy, of course. He loves the OG trilogy. Uh, and now he's kind of in this Up uh, kick, so he loves watching Up. He loves watching this show that spun off from the, from the film Doug Days as well. Uh, he loves the character of Doug, but... What that shows me and what had that helps me to know is that, okay, guess what? That's a kid's movie. That's an animated movie. And yet the story is phenomenal. Mario, not so much. Oh, but how can you expect there to be a story for a Mario movie? Because it's a movie. I expect a story for any movie. I don't care who the character of the film is. I don't care what adaptation is being done. All I care about is, is it a good movie? And guess what? At the core of any good film is a good story. Unless it's a film that's so bad that it's good... Or some other variation like that, you need to have a good story to have a good film. And Mario just doesn't have it. But what it does have in spades is box office returns. There is no denying of that. For the record, and anyone who's been here for a while, you know this to be a fact. Um, you know, I've been saying since the very beginning, I thought the film was going to make a ton of money. The question and doubt that I had in my mind was whether it was going to cross a billion dollars. And again, at this point, it is essentially an inevitability. But anyway, thank you, Kincaid Rumshki, for hanging out over there. Orange Chat Reviews is in the channel. What's going on, Orange Chat Reviews? Thank you again for being here. He is one of my top mods, so be on your best behavior because he will. He will time you out. He will ban you if you decide to be a troll. Thank you very much for letting people know how things go. If you have a comment or question, no matter what platform you're watching on, just put at Odin at the very beginning of your comment. At Odin lets me know that you're trying to get my attention. By the way, Uber Geek. Had donated uh, five hours ago, but I'll go ahead and see if I can refresh that. Boom, there it is. Uber Geek, thank you for the $10 donation via Streamlabs earlier. And he says here, for your good work and the help of the uh, Rosary Beats. Well, thank you very much, Uber Geek. I really much appreciate that and appreciate you uh, supporting the funds for uh, making rosaries. Yeah, I just sent out uh, the latest batch this week, in fact. Um, you know, by the way, uh, very happy with. One of the things that I decided to to invest in was something called it's a like Rolo. It's a company that deals specifically with like the you know basically shipping label printers. And I you know realized that <laughs> the system that I had before it just was not very good. Right, I, I'd gotten the ones you can just you know print out with normal computer paper, just or rather you can print out with normal uh, a normal printer as if it were computer paper, and it just it would take forever basically because of of things. So um, I'm very, very happy with this. It's made things shipping a lot easier, been able to do a lot of the giveaways, shipments, um, by the way, recent round of giveaways in the giveaways channel on the Discord, and uh, very excited to be giving out 
those and sending those out this week. So anyway, Keely Chow, what is going on? Welcome back. You're watching a lot of streams, it seems. Says United Resistance Raid, Supreme Heretic Raid, and Drew Raid. Well, I hope that you're having fun. Uh, thank you for being a member at the Army of Asgard level as well. Says, Hail Odin, how are you? Thor, Freya, and doing. Uh, baby Thor is doing great. The Lady Freya also doing well. A little sick today. But again, that comes with uh, pregnancy. So appreciate your your kind thoughts. Uh, also, are you ready to eat pineapple on pizza? I'm sorry that you'll have to do it. Yes, well, you know. One of us was going to have to do it because it was either going to make a billion or not going to make a billion. But based on the numbers that we have, I am pretty confident at this point in time. In fact, let's go ahead uh, since... Uh, since you uh, were able to uh, use your membership, because uh, when you're a member on the channel, every month you get a, basically a free super chat, uh, essentially, from, from what I can gather. I still don't know exactly YouTube memberships um, perfectly well at this point, but we'll go ahead and bring up the charting. All right, so before I actually uh, go into the charting in detail, let's let's show you the headline from Deadline. Uh, super Mario Brothers movie, Mushrooming. <laughs> oh, Nance. Nance is just so funny. If you couldn't tell, I, I love Nance and uh, the entire team over at Deadline. You know, not shills whatsoever, he said sarcastically. Mushrooming to $659 million worldwide through Sunday. That's right. They are projecting this film to make $659 million in its second week of release. So again, its total is going to climb to $659 million worldwide. All right. After passing $500 million globally through Thursday... The Illumination Nintendo Universal Super Mario Brothers movie now on its way to an estimated 659 through Sunday of that the international box office is estimated to rep 318 million. Through Friday, the Fratelli are at 268.9 from 71 overseas markets and 551.9 globally. The full weekend QM offshore is eyed at 82.6 million for an estimated 37% drop from last session's stellar debut. As we reported yesterday, the movie is already the biggest studio release of 2023, and I think that it ultimately will be the biggest film of 2023. I don't really think, I, I can't really think of any other films that will probably be able to uh, hold a candle to the, what this film's likely uh, end result will be. Says further, it is the number two animated film since 2019 worldwide behind only the Illumination Universal's own Minions, The Rise of Gru, and I am projecting that this film will surpass the entire total of Rise of Gru. Same goes for International, where it has yet to release in the Middle East, which won't account for too much money. Uh, but of course, the bigger markets there were, are going to be Japan and Korea. Now, that being said, I do not suspect this film to be... I, I had one person in the comments section, and even if you don't know anything about the box office, you know that this number is already just ridiculous. They said that they thought that the movie was going to make like $300, $300 million in Japan. And I thought to myself, you do realize that even, like, the biggest releases in Japan's history aren't even at, <laughs> aren't even at the low. They just don't understand. They, they just don't understand. But anyway, I digress. Uh, it goes on to say that it is moving up through Sunday to become Universal's sixth biggest animated title of all time, passing Sing, which had $634 million. With Friday's action, it passed Despicable, Despicable Me. Oh, well, au contraire, deadline. All right. No, 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 no. That that that's if only you keep that five hundred forty-three point nine million dollars isolated into the specific year that that movie came out. But guess what? Inflation exists, meaning that this money is actually a lot higher. That all being said, I still think even when you adjust for inflation, you're going to get one of the highest, if not the highest-grossing film in the history of Illumination 
with this movie. And it ultimately comes down to these projections. So again, $659 million is what they are projecting right now after its first two weeks of release. Let's go into these numbers, all right? So let's assume that these numbers are accurate. If that number stays $659 million, based on historical standards, so again, that's how my charting has always been, and if you look at the average for all the films since I've been covering these since 2019, you actually see the overall average of all films compared to their first two weeks of release is roughly 60%. So... It's, it's a pretty good metric, to say the very least. There are obviously exceptions, but that's why we call them exceptions. But assuming things go as most films tend to go, if the film does get to $659.8 million this weekend, it means, worst case scenario, I am projecting the film to only make $942.6 million. Now, I say only, worst case scenario, that's still mass amounts of profits. If this did happen, though, this would mean that the wheels fell off this would mean that you would have to see massive drops, which we're just not going to see. Based on the numbers that we are getting right now, it's only projected to have, I think, around a 50 to 60% drop from week one to week two, which is an incredibly strong hold. An incredibly strong hold. So it's not seeing massive drop-offs that would, again, get to this minimum projection. Which means we have to look at either the best-case scenario, which would be if the film doubled its money, which, again, it hasn't released in Korea and Japan. I don't think those markets are going to be large enough for it to be able to double its money. But again, we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. Best case scenario for this movie, though, is $1.3 billion. $1.3 billion. That's a lot of money. Even in 2023. Even when you adjust other films for inflation. It's a very successful run. What's most likely to happen, though, is this number right here. All right, This is the average, as I said, when you take the average of all films that I've been covering since 2019, the average of all of them put together is 60%. And this is, again, compared to the first two weeks. So if you took the first two weeks and worked out math, again, that's essentially where this equation comes from, you would get $1.1 billion as the most likely outcome. All right? So again, worst case scenario, wheels fall off, and that's not happening Again, there's, there's no indication of that happening at this point in time. But I just say it anyway because I do have this range. $942.6 million is worst case scenario. Best case scenario, it doubles everything. It's not looking like it's going to be that. But again, it's still early. $1.3 billion, best case scenario. Most likely, average $1.1 billion. Which essentially means that, yes, pineapple on pizza will indeed be eaten by me. Now, right now, it's a matter of waiting. It's a waiting game now. It's, again, you know how much I trust I trust my charting, right? It's very rare that the charting is, is ever wrong, right? Sometimes there's films that underperform. Sometimes there's films that overperform. But on average, most films fall somewhere in line here, right? And so with that in mind, it's looking very likely, very, very likely. Again, going into the weekend, I think around Tuesday or Wednesday, I think it was the last live show on Tuesday. I said I was around 80% confident the film would reach a billion dollars. Now and I'm, now I'm at 99.99% chance that the film is going to hit a billion dollars. And again, it's still a couple weeks away from doing that, I think. But again, these are the long-term projections. And obviously, this all depends upon whether this 659 actually comes to fruition. If it does better than the 659, okay. 
that that brings a whole new level to discussion, right? If it does a lot more than this, then you might have a a bottom of a billion dollars minimum. Um, and if it if it goes beneath this, well, then at that point maybe there's a question. But again, saying there's a chance, there's abomination. Yeah, there's still a chance. Yeah, again, <laughs> there's there's a chance mathematically speaking. But as I said, this seventy percent number is equivalent to a movie that has a massive first weekend and then just starts to drop off the face of the web, of the map, all right? So that would require this movie to see those kinds of drops, and we're not seeing that. You know, we're, we're not seeing that happen at this point in time. So all in all, film is expected to make at least 1.1, most likely rather, $1.1 billion. What's even crazier is when you look at the profit margins, all right? So based off of typical profit margin, that means I'm projecting the film to make somewhere between $400 and $640 million in net profits. They put $100 million budget-wise into the film. Typical marketing cost, that would mean that they put roughly, or rather, they spent roughly, the, the break-even point for the film to make, the, to make all their money back will be about $250 million, all right? Because typical marketing is about you have half the budget, add that on top. So total budget marketing around $150 million. Again, could it be more than that? Could be. But the break-even point for most films, 2.5 times its budget. Some people might have that number as high as three times its budget. In either case, you're talking about a film getting four to $600 million in net gain profits. So massive returns on investment. As of, again, this weekend, if the number holds, it will already have made around $245 million in net gain profits. Now, if only they could just, you know, give maybe $15 of that to me so that I could buy that pineapple pizza, you know, um, that, that would probably lessen the blow only slightly, only slightly. But anyway, those are the numbers as I, again, I don't like to admit when I'm wrong, but in this case, I absolutely was, was wrong. And again, it hasn't done it yet, but again, once I'm able to chart things out, I I I have a lot of I have a lot of trust in the charting that I do. I, I again I take a lot of pride in the charting that I do, and I think that ultimately you're going to see this all play out the way you would typically see a film play out, and I think it's going to be a very very good end result for them. But anyway. Uh, Jilo, what is going on? Welcome. By the way, LBRT, thank you for the $5 donation on Odyssey, the hyperchat donation. I appreciate that. Appreciate it. Oh, Abomination, believe me, I understood the reference right away. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> no, I mean more like one in a billion. So you're saying there's a chance. Kick Interruption Run Rumble says, I think the geeks and gamers, I think the gamers rather, are just pumped that Mario respected the game. Maybe it brings back good childhood memories because of that. My guess is because, again, when you listen to Jeremy, who I think is one of the biggest fans of the film, like one of the biggest advocates for the film, um, even he admits, right, the story's not good, that it, it's got flaws. But the the number one thing he, he constantly will bring up is fan service. And look, I understand. Fan service is very powerful. I think in many ways, John Wick uh, Chapter 4 had a lot of fan service elements to it. And there's no denying that that helps and pushes us to overlook things that other people may actually be able to see. That's why I'm always open to criticism, even of films that I, that, that I really like, um, especially films that are a much more like 
popular uh, style, right? Like John Wick 4, I would say, is more of a popular film. Whereas a a more a smaller indie type movie, for instance, I don't think you would see the same level of of you know disagreement to a certain extent. But I think when you look to that element, that is probably I think again you have the fan service element for one. But this is something too that I I, I mentioned on Friday Night Sites and I mentioned it previously on the channel. It's the way that they were able to market this movie. I mean, again, kudos has got to be given to Universal slash uh, Illumination because they have been able to truly corner the market on animated films and on, and on kids' movies. And on not even just kids' movies, but the box office shows this, family movies. Being able to get the entire family to show up. So I don't think it has as much to do with respecting the game necessarily. Fan service, again can only bring you so far. Because even though I, I joked on Friday Night Sides about Tim Pool's take that the film is woke, when it, again, not really, we can definitely make the argument that uh, Princess Peach is a girl boss. Not necessarily the same concept of, of wokeness, I guess. That, again, when we think of wokeness, we typically think of inter- intersexual feminism um, and, and just a lot of the nonsense that we find being shoved into these, these properties. In this one, though, you can take your child to it and there's nothing to worry about. Right, there's nothing to worry about in the movie that's going to like corrupt the mind of the person. However, there's no denying either that that Peach is definitely a girl boss in the film. I, I think that she is clearly much bigger than I think she should be in the film. Right, it's called the Super Mario Brothers film. The Super Mario Brothers, plural, should be getting the main focus of the story. But you do have Luigi, who's kind of just off to the side for the vast majority of the film. And then Mario is, again, he shows the bravery that we are very quick to associate with Mario. But I think that Peach has definitely shown herself to be very OP. Like, just just, just very overpowered in, in so many different respects. And I think that's a valid criticism. So, um, but again, that's not why I, did, I didn't like the film. I didn't like the film because I don't think the story was very good. And I think that the excuse of, oh, it's an animated film, it's a kid's movie, what do you expect? It's like, I'm sorry, there are kid's movies that have good stories. And Up is the one that I like to primarily use, because even just the first 10 minutes of the movie, when it's showing you Carl's character as a kid meeting Ellie, has some of the best storytelling of not just any animated film, but almost of any movie in the last 20, 30 years. So... Spare me the it's a kid's movie defense because it's not a good defense. It's not a good defense whatsoever. Uh, Great Wuda, what's going on? Back into the chat now. We got Bruce hanging out in the chat as well. By the way, it's 7.23 in real life. It's 6.56 in the chat. I do fall 20, 30 minutes behind. Uh, Again, thank you for being here, everybody. Let's see. Forever Sci-Fi, hail to you. Hugo M., what is going on? Kimberly G., howdy, Odin, mods, and chat. What is going on? Welcome. We got Laura, the modern major general story. What is going on? Appreciate you being here. Great says, you got to love how these movie theaters charge premium prices for Super Mario Brothers. Just saying. Um, if you're talking about the AMC move to charge for premium seating, again, you've I've mentioned that previously. I don't have as big of a problem as some other people have with it. Uh, again, for me... I, especially since I, again, I, I'm, I'm, I'm slightly biased in this way because I used to work for AMC, you know, not like at a, any corporate level or anything, but I worked for almost three years at an AMC and, you know, was, became a supervisor and, you know, 
was able to learn the ins and outs of of kind of the business there. That's where a lot of my box office knowledge comes from, and that's why I'm I'm still very uh, passionate about the the scale that I use and the metrics that I use. Uh, because again, just having worked in that industry and having had firsthand conversations with the general manager of the theater and being able to get his financial input uh, was again something that I, I still greatly uh, treasure and appreciate. But I again. If we're talking about that, that's just AMC's. That's not, again, AMC is still the largest, and especially North America, but it still is just one theater chain. And as far as other premium costs, again, you do see a, still a huge portion of the audience going to see this movie in premium format screens. So whether that be IMAX, whether that be a 3D screen. Um, so again, but that, that's just not, that's not a, a Super Mario Brothers movie exclusive, right? That's any big movie release has that. So, yeah, I don't, yeah, I, I, again, I don't go that way. Uh, let's see. Believe Media Today. What is going on? Mark Oquist, welcome back. Glad to have you here. So I'm catching up with the chat. JJ52 in the chat. What is going on? Forever Sci-Fi. Saw your view of Suzume. Interested in seeing it as your name is my favorite anime movie, followed closely by a silent voice. Oh, nice. Yeah, I mean... Again, I like it. I gave it a solid B. I think it is a solid B. It's a movie that I think, if I were to rewatch in the original Japanese with the English subtitles, I think I would actually enjoy it more. Um, and I think I mentioned this in my review. I think the English voice actor they got for the dubbed version for Suzume is awful. I think it was a terrible voice acting cast, and it's it's so it was so jarring for me because they've been so good with their dubbed casting. In the other films. I mean I thought. I don't remember. And this is a good thing. I don't remember any problems. With the dubbed version of Weathering With You. And there was definitely no problems with the film Your Name. Though. Again. I I will stress this point. I am a subbed person. Alright. And for those that maybe don't know what that means. When you talk anime. There's the subtitled version. Where you get the original Japanese voice actors. And you get the English subtitles. Or whatever language it is that you're reading. And then you have the dubbed versions where they have people who are from whatever country or whatever language it is that you're listening to who will come in and will redo those parts. And normally dubbed versions are pretty good for animations, for animes especially, they're usually pretty good. But for some reason, whoever they cast for Suzume was just not good at all. Because um, I'm actually, I'm in the process, I'm about three-fourths of the way through the film Your Name, which you mentioned, which, yeah, same, it's one of my favorite animes of all time too. And I'm rewatching it now, and I'm just remembering the first time that I watched it, and just how blown away I was just by how unique uh, Makoto Shinkai's uh, entire process was, and in his vision, how he's able to, with animation, somehow be able to make it feel cinematic. Like obviously, other animes have felt cinematic, but to the point of you feeling like there is an actual cinematographer in this animated world, it's just it's very powerful. It's very uh, moving. Um, but so yeah, uh, unfortunately though, timing was a problem. And uh, again, anyone who knows this knows when animes are released, you have times all over the place, right? If you want to go see the original Japanese with the English subtitled version, then you're going to have to pick a specific time frame. Um, and for me, the the time was either 1 p.m. This was on a Thursday. Can't do that working. Or 10 p.m. Can't do that either. Uh, it's a school night, right? So unfortunately, the only time it was available was the dubbed version. Um, so it's definitely a film though. I am interested in seeing again, um, with the original, uh, Japanese voice actor. Cause I, I just, 
I can't imagine that they would have messed that up, right? It's one thing to mess up the English dub version uh, with the voice act. And it was just the one character. It was just Suzume's character. But it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Forever Sci-Fi then says, get some pineapple pizza from Hungry Howie's. At least then you'll be able to get Cajun crust with uh, it to counter the sweetness. Ooh, Cajun crust sounds good. Um, actually, it was uh, on the Salty Saturday podcast this morning where Matthew Kadish, who unfortunately is a heretic, all right, unfortunately, he he likes pineapple on pizza. Um, he recommended, or he mentioned, rather, uh, ranch dressing. And I thought, okay, I'm Meatless Fridays because of, you know, I'm a traditional Catholic, and so I do Meatless Fridays. And I'm the most likely chance, or rather, the... 99% chance I'm going to have the pineapple pizza on Friday nights. It just would make sense. It wouldn't make sense anywhere else. And uh, so even though I can't have pepperonis to mask the disgustingness that is pineapple. Because here's, again, I've mentioned this previously too. It's not even that I hate pineapple on pizza exclusively. I don't like pineapple. I, I So I don't like pineapple. So why would I even want it on my pizza? Why would I want it anywhere near my pizza? So it's already a problem before it even gets to the pizza, essentially. But uh, at least I will definitely look into ensuring that I've got some ranch dipping sauce. Or maybe I'll just buy it from, uh, from actually, no, because Domino's has this too. Uh, maybe just get some like garlic dipping sauce. Ooh, garlic dipping sauce. Now that could help. Now that could absolutely help. Uh, Burst Angel, welcome. Sac, sacre bleu, the deadly poke of Zorro. Thank you for being here. Says, look at your losing the Super Mario bet this way. One slice of pineapple pizza equals approximately 10,000 years in purgatory. You eat, you win less time there. Mortify your flesh. <laughs> Sacre Blue, I appreciate that comment so much. Thank you. <laughs> Especially love at the end with the claps. Mortify your flesh. Uh, Reaper0878, member on the channel. What's up? What up, Odin Chat? Did you pick up a steelbook copy of uh, from Best Buy of Lord of War and the Italian Job? Um, I saw the one for Lord of the War, and I am definitely going to buy them uh, once once funds come through uh, after the twenty first. If anyone is on YouTube, you know, um, or maybe you don't know. So when people super chat, you don't get that until next month, essentially, um, because that's how YouTube works. So when I get paid on the 21st usually it's the 21st um yeah that's one of the items on my list is buying several copies of that one for myself and then one to give away as well because the steelbook from uh for lord of war i didn't see the one for italian job but the one for lord of war looks phenomenal so again lionsgate continues to kill their releases and they have a plastic slip cover on it and essentially it's a, it's <laughs> the steelbook has nicholas cage's face on the front and the the slip cover is sunglasses so you take the slip cover off his sunglasses come off it's brilliant i love it uh, Abomination over on Odyssey says, you don't even like deep fried pineapple poppers? No, 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 no. I, I don't do the pineapple. I don't do the pineapple. Um, let's see. Abomination says, excuse me, sir. It is inappropriate to refer to Jeremy without the shill of the year winner. Oh my, you know, Abomination, you're correct. I'm sorry. So yes, it's looking very likely that I'm going to lose to the 2022 Shill of the Year, Jeremy for Geeks and Gamers. Don't forget that he won the Raven Award for Shill of the Year. And it was because of his shilling for Avatar. <laughs> and now he's going to get nominated again, I imagine. I'm just already guessing. I'm already betting. He's going to get nominated for, for next year, too. 
because he's going to get nominated specifically for shilling for Mario Brothers. Calling it now. Let's see. Relina over on Odyssey. Time to say, it sounds like Jeremy will be winning a second Raven for Shield of the Year for 2023. Okay, so Relina. <laughs> yes, you read my mind. Exactly. <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to happen. Kinkan Remski over on Rumble says, is it possible that the power of the anchovy could negate the power of the pineapple? I, see, the, the concept of anchovies on pizza just disgusts me. I don't know why. It just disgusts me. <laughs> oh man let's see jj52 where will you get your pineapple pizza from uh again most likely Domino's because that's my safe that, that, that's my that's my safe space that's my pizza safe space okay because i can at least trust that when i finish that disgusting slice of pizza that i'm gonna have some garlic crust to look forward to so i'm very much looking forward to to that Sahil said, Jeremy said Mario would make around $150 million in Japan. That's a bit delusional in my opinion. Yeah, and, it, and it's again, I think, and I don't know if he had tried to look up um, any numbers uh, prior to that. Because, yeah, I, I think absolutely that you need to have at least some context for, um, let me try and see if I can find... Um, I ah, the numbers drives me crazy sometimes because I love the numbers in general. Um, it's what it's, no, it's what it's it's mostly what Box Office Mojo used to be before they got bought up. Um, but it's sometimes very hard to to navigate, uh, unfortunately. But anyway, let me try and see if I can pull up a more recent example. Let's see. I interesting. John Wick 4 did not get released in Japan? That seems weird. Especially since... Maybe it's got... I, I guess it's getting released later in Japan. Um, but especially when you have the Osaka Continental. That doesn't make any sense at all. I guess a Marvel film will technically have a better chance. Yeah. So as a frame of reference, not that this film made any money, but Ant-Man and the, Ant and the Wasp Quantum Mania made only $7 million in Japan. But obviously, that's still not necessarily the the best metric uh, for it. But let me see. Okay, I don't know why. And also, I'm I'm afraid to look up Japanese box office because I'm afraid that it's just going to be like, oh, you must want to have an actual, uh, you know, <laughs> you might want to actually have uh, a Japanese uh, number. Let's see. Yeah, because oh man, see this. So this has it. This has it in yen. I, oh my goodness. I don't need yen. I don't need yen. Okay. Don't make me do this live. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. It's hard enough to adjust for inflation live. I can't do any. Oh my goodness. Anyway. So Demon Slayer. All right. Demon Slayer has the record right now in Japan with 40 billion yen. I think it's yen. Let's see. 40 billion yen. We're doing it live. We're doing it live. Okay. All right. So yeah, the highest grossing film in Japan was again, a direct Japanese film. All right. And it was Demon Slayer and it made roughly $300 million in Japan. All right. Then you have Spirited Away. If you know anything about anime, if you know anything about Japan, you know, animes do very well there. All right. The next one after that is Spirited Away, 
which made 31.6 million yen, which in dollars would be what, maybe $250 million in 2020, uh, 2001 rather. All right. In 2001, Titanic made 26.2 in 1997. All right. So you're looking at the ceiling for Japan is $300 million. All right. Or 40 million yen. If you were going to say that this movie is going to make $150 million in Japan, what is that? What does that equate to? Let's see if we can do some, some reverse math on this. So 150 million USD to yen. Let's see. So that's about 20 million yen. All right. So that would mean that before adjusting for inflation, you would have to be saying that you think the Mario film is going to make as much as Harry Potter 1, Princess Mononoke, and that it would make more than the One Piece film Red, Howl's Moving Castle, Harry Potter 2, Avatar. Again, Avatar, the first. Ponyo, look at what Suzume did, by the way, in Japan. 14 million Rather, 14 billion yen. So, yeah. You're looking at this movie, Super Mario Brothers film. I think it's going to do well, all right? But I think the ceiling is 100 million max. I think 100 million max. Because then that would put it at around 13 billion yen, which would put it into the, okay, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, Last Samurai, Top Gun Maverick, Bohemian Rhapsody, E.T. Again, that to me sounds a lot more realistic. And that would still be, again, $100 million as a ceiling. But yeah, so the person who said $300 million, again, I there's just no chance. Because people wrongly perceive, oh, but... The original property, all right, Super Mario Brothers is is a Japanese property. It's like that does not mean much of anything. If that was if that was what was most important, you know what you would see up here? You would see every single Pokemon film. But I actually are any of the Pokemon films up here in the top 43? Yeah, Toy Story 4, you got Independence Day 96, Toy Story 3, Finding Nemo, 2010's Alice in Wonderland. So again, bad movies have been able to to make money here. But again, I think it's going to make a lot of money. I don't see how you could possibly think that it's going to get into the top, like crack the, the again, if it was going to be $150 million, that would put it around 15 billion yen. And that would put it into, again, unadjusted for inflation, Avatar, Ponyo, Harry Potter 2 levels. And I don't know. I, I just don't see that. But yeah, it is important for us to know, going back to the original comment, it is important for us to have context about what the Japanese box office tends to look like. Because again, Mario, even though, again, original characters, obviously, you know, rooted in Japanese culture, Mario very big there, it's still a Western adaptation. You can you can say all you want about, oh, the original creator or a big name in the creative space is involved in the project. That doesn't mean much of anything. It's still a, again, it's still what? A universal release. So, again, I still think $100 million in, in Japan is is definitely a 
I think it has a good chance based on the now looking at the movies and kind of saying, okay, where could I see this film falling in line with? That would, that would make sense to have like a hundred million dollars. Um, 150 million tops, but, uh, definitely not more than that. Definitely not $300 million. Like one person was saying anyway, in blazing, at least baby Thor can join you eating the pineapple pizza. He's only had that one time too. Uh, K man, what's going on? Not ZK man, but I guess another K man, our uh, Mark Oquist had to say, add some jalapenos. I don't like jalapenos, so that wouldn't work for me. Geek True 64, I think every movie has its own attainable bar to hit. Some are high, some aren't. But if a movie achieves general audience expectations, it should be considered a win at the very least. Um, for the individual film, I mean, yeah, there's no denying that this film is a financial win. For sure. Over on Rumble, King and Rumshi had to say, can you go back to the Japanese list of movies and adjust the yen numbers for inflation, please? No, I can't. I really can't. <laughs> it was bad enough having to <laughs> having to adjust from from yen to to US dollars and then going back and forth. No, thank you. Abomination over on Odyssey. John Wick not released in Japan. Hope it doesn't have anything to do with their use of nunchucks. Shout out to Shad uh, Shad Shadversity. Uh, Shadiversity for his deep dive into their use of nunchucks. Oh, I haven't seen his. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that he did one. I'll have to look into that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Sh- shout out to Shad. Uh, great, great guy. Um, but again, that doesn't make sense to me though because they still, uh, you know, they still had the the Osaka Continental. So yeah, I mean, I haven't looked into it to see if there is going to be released in Japan. I don't. I can't imagine they wouldn't. I feel like they tend to get a lot of big releases, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, and then he mentioned Howl's Moving Castle. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it's the number nine. It made 19.6 billion yen in 2004. So just, again, imagine what that would be in, in today's uh, metrics. Uh, Ryan Doles, do you think Mario will be the highest grossing Western film in Japan? I'm not sure, but it wouldn't surprise me. See, I think, Ryan Doles, thank you for asking the question in that way. Because it's the you are admitting it's a Western film. Because it is, all right? Again, some people just, for some reason, don't want to see it that way, but it is ultimately a Western film, all right? A non-Western film, an actual Japanese film, would be something like Demon Slayer or Spirited Away, right? And no, I don't think it is, because if that was true, it would have to be Titanic, which made 26 billion yen. And I don't see this film making, what What would that be, uh, equ- what would that be 200 plus million dollars in Japan? I, I don't see that. I just don't. So, no, I don't think it's going to be the, the highest grossing Western film in Japan. But we'll have to wait and see, right? We have to wait and see when those numbers come out. Also, that delayed release could also hurt it, too, right? Because they also, in Japan, have the ability to access non-legal copies of a movie. And sometimes you see that. When there's a delayed release, sometimes it ends up hurting the box. We have to wait, we have to wait out. Virgil Montaigne says, keep holding out. I'm still saying $980 million for Mario, bro. I don't know what you're... Because, again, the numbers that I'm giving don't include Japan or Korea. And I've already said, I think Japan, you you could see as much as $100 million there alone. So, if if it's already being projected this week to get to $659, you eventually get to Japan. If it gets, to, if it gets $100 million in Japan, then you're at $759 just from that adding there. And, I don't, again, I don't have a metric for, let's see... South Korea box office. 
list of highest grossing films in South Korea. Oh my goodness. Well, I at least appreciate South Korea. According to Korean Film Council, this is how, okay, America needs to start doing this, all right? Doesn't it doesn't help that it doesn't help the question that you just had, but look how they keep track of it by admissions. So they actually keep track of ticket sales. This is what we need. America, we we need someone to do this. It's the only fair it's the only truly fair way, all right? But anyway, uh, some of their highest are 17 million admissions. Again, take that for what it's what it's worth, all right? Um, I'm not recognizing any of these movies. Oh, Train to Busan is number 15 on the list. And guess what? That That's an actual South Korean film. Uh, the Host, also South Korean film, also a great film, number 19. Parasite, I know, <laughs> Tina, if you're listening back to this, I know you hate it. I love it. I think it's a great film. Uh, number 20 on the list. Uh, Snowpiercer, uh, not one of my favorites, but this is actually from a, a South Korean filmmaker. And uh, But I guess you could technically argue that they're, again, this is like a hybrid. Not, not fully Western, but also not fully Native either. You know what I'm not seeing on this list, though? In the top 36 is any Western movies. Still no Western films. Still no Western films. We're at number 60. So I'm going to say what? 25 million in Korea? Does that sound does that sound fair? I mean again, it's 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 kind of hard to say at this point. Uh, based off of those those metrics that that I'm looking at right there. Again, y'all y'all have a better opportunity since y'all are not streaming uh, to <laughs> to help me out on those sales, but anyway. Still, $100 million I think makes sense for Japan. Maybe let's let's be very fair and say 50 million. That's the reason why. I think you're looking at 150 million to 200 million dollars from both Japan and Korea combined. So again, that, that would be a fair amount of money. Has to get there, but yeah. Anyway, uh, Alexander, what's going on? Welcome back. Sean Farrell, what's going on? Welcome back. Epic Ninja Shiro, welcome back. Hello from 20 minutes in the past. Yes, 723, almost exactly 20 minutes ago. Appreciate you understanding, though. Lobster11, hail to you. Laura says, my local theater raised tickets by $2. Dang. Well, that's inflation. Um, I believe it was... Some of the high, uh, even the high up economists now are saying, oh yeah, we're, we're going into a recession. It's like, oh, it's not like none of us said that, what, a year ago? <laughs> ah, ridiculous. Uh, J.S. Pena, what's going on? Laura says, if I wanted to read, I would read a book. Team dubbed, I guess. Boo, Laura, boo. It is, it is again, I understand. Here's where you'll find a difference, right? There are some people who will actually shame you if you are on team dubbed. Um, I will not. I, I understand both. But I will say for Suzume, when the main character has a a voice actress that does not match what you're seeing on screen and I don't think does a good job. Yeah. Geek Truth. I went to see Air. Definitely had some Moneyball vibes. I enjoyed it. Oh, nice. Definitely on, on my list of things. I actually... Um, since I know I'm going to get at least one question about this because there's people who are fans of Steve Dace, Steve Deese. I, I, again, I know I'm mispronouncing his name every time, and I 
Again, no no insult to him. I just don't care. Um, but anyway, I have a ticket to go see that tomorrow night. So I am going to go see that. I do want to see Air. There's actually a lot of films that just recently came out. Not not all of them are really high on my list, but we'll see. Ben Dowdy, what is going on? It says, sorry I'm late. It's okay. Uh, Carl, what's going on? No, I do not. Be cool if I did, but I don't. Uh, there is K-Man. Thank you very much for the very generous super chat. I, I don't know exactly what uh, what currency that is, but I appreciate it. Nonetheless, says I don't think fan service exists. The developers just suck. Pineapple is good. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, Laura says, or you could uh, dip the pineapple in melted chocolate. Ah, uh, that might be too much. That might be too much for me. Dan Crane, Hale Odin just got off the baseball field and done for the day. Prayers for you, my friend, and your family. I'm happy to make it. Hey, happy to have you here, Dan Crane. Thank you for being here. Blessed Easter. And, um, yeah, that's awesome here. I did some yard work today before the Salty Podcast stream, and we had uh, two bushes in our front yard that I uprooted. Um, I felt I felt very manly when I did so, uh, but I did, I did not walk away completely clean. Um one, one, one did leave a, uh, where is it? There it is. You can see it there. A, a pretty deep scratch, maybe even part of par- partially a, a gash. But anyway, KK Rumski says, uh, says agreed. Ticket sales is all that matters except for Captain Marvel. Oh, don't, don't you get me started. Don't you don't, don't you go down that conspiracy rabbit hole. Okay. Uh, Abomination says, don't quote me on it. But I thought I saw ticket sales on the numbers site. I think it is there, but again, I don't have the brain power to, to dive further into the site. I was just checking to see what I can find out from the site and saw a list of movies. And I think there was a column of ticket sales. Oh, oh, for that. Yes. Yeah. So Abomination, there is. Uh, the, there's only, there's a couple problems. So they fixed one of the problems. It used to be that for them, they had the average ticket price for the last three years being the exact same, even though it wasn't. They did a great article, and I talked about this in some box office videos. They did a great article where they um, revamped their entire system from that side of it and was able to accurately post the actual average ticket sales, ticket price sales for the year, for the subsequent years, and then also give us a a pretty good metric for what it is this year. Um, But again, still a couple problems rely, uh, or there still. First, it takes average ticket sale, average ticket price, so it's... Not perfect. It's good, it's better, but it's not perfect. And the bigger issue is they still have not completely gotten their, they have not gotten their inflation calculators updated, um, which is why I I typically only use them and and say, take these numbers with a grain of salt when you adjust for inflation. But if if they were able to get those things fixed, then those I think would be a a correct metric. Uh, Valenius just has found it. I don't see if tickets uh, tickets are an estimate. Yeah, it, it would be. Under box office, drop down list, annual box office, and you can pick out which year. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So they're, es- they're estimated ticket sales, whereas for Korea, that's from their, their official, like, they have an official box office um, sector, I guess. And so th- those are official ticket sales being declared there. All right, back into the YouTube chat. Forever Sci-Fi, whose member says, if Jeremy repeats as shill, will really have to get him a trophy. Oh, no, no doubt about it. Especially if he's able to, once again, defeat perennial nominee. Um, <laughs> uh, always the bridesmaid, never the bribe. 
Anyway. Let's see. Orange Eye Reviews, the member says, Shill of the Year, nicknames processing. Jeremy the Shill Griggs. Jeremy <laughs> S-T-O-1. Stoit? Stoy? Griggs? Jeremy Sir, uh, Jeremy Sir Shills a lot. I think those all work. Oh, I love this. Laura. Oh, Laura. I love you. Jeremy Soy Griggs. S-O-Y. Shill of Year. Soy Griggs. Jeremy Soy Griggs. Yes, I love it. I love it. Alexander, say it. We'll do it live. <laughs> uh, Marby Dog, Mario was never my cup of tea, but a serious PG-13 Metroid with a $150 million budget would do very well, in my opinion. Uh, based off of this, definitely seems like it. Orange Hat says, Oh, Odin, my autistic stepbrother, is getting baptized with his first communion and confirmation tomorrow. Proud of him. Well, God bless, dude. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, prayers going his way, man. That's fantastic to hear. Fantastic to hear. Glad to hear also it's happening on uh, Low Sunday um, in the Latin it's from Quasimodo. Um, Low Sunday. It's the octave day, the eighth day after Easter. Ben Dowdy. They take their cartoons seriously. Yeah. Yes, indeed. All right, chat has jumped on me like it always does. Again, apologies if I'm having anyone wait, but hey. Ben Dowdy, the Astro Boy movie from 2005 didn't do well in Japan either. There you go. Let's see. 8-6 Saiyan God says, I saw your opinion on FNT when you compared it to Pokemon. I have to tell you, and I don't think you you grasp the difference, nothing game-wise can compare to Mario under N Nintendo. Again, though, someone was able to super chat later on and actually point out the figures that Pokemon has an insane level of sales. And so, no, it actually is still a valid point and argument to bring up because here is what the main point is, all right? Maybe this is not what's getting across. It's not saying that why didn't Pokemon do as well as Mario? It's why didn't Pokemon do well? If if there was a one-to-one -one or even close to that uh, crossover between fans of the IP in the video game sphere into whether it be television or movies, because I would say you have a much larger portion of people who are fans of Pokemon who were not necessarily fans of the original show. Same, you could argue, again, I think that that is a valid thing to bring up. And so that's the reason why I push back on that point and why I still think Jeremy is very wrong on that point. Is there a crossover? Yes. That's why the Pokemon film, I think, did as well as it did at all. Because you had that crossover in addition to it being able to appeal to some of the generic audiences. But the fact that you go back to even the cartoon movie, right? Those were still not able to, to again, bring in any types of mass amounts of profits. So, to, again, I, I always, it just drives me crazy when people are saying, but Mario's just on a whole other level. It's like, okay, even if that were true, and again, I'm not denying that in the video game sphere. We're talking movies now, though, all right? Because even if half of that was true, you would see every other video game adaptation doing still big, you know, big box office. Not as big as this, maybe, but still big box office. So that's the main point of where the, the Pokemon analogy is an important one to make and why I think it actually ends up proving why Jeremy's still wrong on that point. And again, the film is doing well, but... It's not because 
the Nintendo Switch is the greatest selling system of all time or because Mario games are the greatest selling. Again, just because a lot of people play Mario Kart does not mean that they're going out of their way to go see this movie. There are a lot of families going to see this film in general. And again, you can say, oh, the IP is recognizable, etc. But Pokemon is also. Pikachu is huge. I would love to see someone do an actual comparison of like social media hits or search result hits on Mario versus Pikachu. Because I don't think they would be as far apart as some people might think. Let's see. Um, do you get that Mario is the face of Nintendo? Again, I think that I think you and so many others are overplaying that hand. And it's it's just getting annoying now. Great Wuda says, Super Mario Brothers is going to sell only 10 tickets in South Korea. <laughs> okay, it's going to sell more than that. But General Wingster, I got my Series X yesterday along with Huggy Warts. Let's smack... <laughs> I can't read that, General Wingster. That's too much. All right? That's too much. <laughs> How dare you? Too bad there's... Yeah, I mean, I hope they add some type of, uh, you know, collab collaboration thing I, I would love to see that but yeah unfortunately it's just a single player uh came in with another five dollar super chat says what would happen if the last of mohicans was released today um it wouldn't have been released actually no it, it did release in today's terms because we got avatar and avatar is essentially just a ripoff of the last of mohicans fern gully and and Pocahontas. uh but in, in all honesty um that that's the thing i don't think it would be released Right When we talk about, would this film get released today? Would this film get released today? It's not even, would it get released? It would, would it even be made? Would the conception of the concept even come forward? I, I just don't think so. Uh, Cthulhu, tried to say, I only watch sub because dubs constantly fail to translate the cultural idioms which are so important to anime in Asia. Uh, Cthulhu, and that's the reason why I love the, um, why I love the, the dubbed version, or rather the subbed version in, in general, for most films. Because a great example of that, in the film Your Name, right? So I guess moving moving to talk a little bit about anime here, right? Your Name, phenomenal movie. If you've never seen it before, highly recommend it. Whether you watch the subbed or dubbed version, I've seen both. I think that the they actually do a good job with the dubs. But here's something that you're not going to pick up on if you listen to the dubbed version of Your Name. In the film, it's essentially like a Freaky Friday movie. Uh, concept where you have people switching bodies but what's amazing is that there's a sequence that happens in the movie where one of the characters is switched and it's one of the first times that the switches happen and they're talking and they start using pronouns and they start and it says in the subtitles using feminine pronouns and so the guys immediately react with huh and then they try to correct using a similar, right, using a different pronoun, but still uh, feminine. And then they react again, like, what? And then finally switching to a masculine pronoun, they go, hmm. It's a great sequence. You don't get that, though, with the dub version. Because there's no way of really translating that, right? When we say I in English, th there's no pronoun, there's no gender uh, to those words, right? Whereas with... Any other language, for the most part, there is gendered language. And again, I, I don't know much about Japanese, but I guess to speak as my knowledge of, you know, very, very, very basic, again, up until fourth grade and only a few years of it French, which most of it's gone. But then over 10 years of Spanish, it's a very big deal. 
right? So, yeah, but I, I totally agree. And your name is a great example of why the subversion is so much is so important because you actually I would recommend anyone if you listen to a dub version put on the original subtitles because you're going to notice they're not going to match up they change the sentence structure and it's weird too because you're like wait a minute the sentence structure still makes complete sense so why are why are you making these these types of changes but then also moments like that which might get glossed over in the dub version um ultimately also come into play but yeah so, yeah, but oh man, your name, I, I'm working my way through it again, Makoto Shinkai is just so, so good, but yeah, this film is fantastic, highly recommend it, uh, Weathering With You was the film he did back in 2019, I enjoyed it, um, this is a movie that I only saw once, so this is a movie I want to see again, um, to get kind of like a full grasp on it, I didn't like it as much as I liked your name though, um, and that's why, like, for Suzume, as of right now, it's my third favorite of his major releases, um, still good though, right? This one I think I gave like a, a B plus two. Suzume I gave a B two, and then your name is like for me an A A plus movie. Like that, that I just I love it so much. But then he's also done a lot of really great like short uh, films as well. And one of the ones that I really liked was Five Centimeters Per Second that he did back in uh, two thousand seven. Romantic drama animated film. Uh, it says right here the film consists of three segments, each following a period in the protagonist. Uh, Takaki Tono's life and his relationships with the girls around him and he just does a really good job of capturing relationships because that's what all all of the films that he does have some relationship being formed a bond and, and usually it's like a romantic relationship and uh, I think the one in your name especially is very very powerful the ending is especially very powerful but yeah so I figured I'd, I'd talk about about that just a little bit in reference to, yeah, again, you, you miss out on a lot of context when you are going with the dubbed version over the, the subtitle version. Let's see, over on Rumble, let's go to Kincaid Rumshki, says, I cut my arm today as well, doing work on the lawn, mowing, rather moving logs from pruned trees. Yeah, so for me, it was uprooting plants in my front yard. And there were some like thick roots, it was tough. And it says, tough question. Okay, I went to confession, then mass communion. But now they say I have to attend a divine mercy prayer tomorrow. So is my soul cleansed now? <laughs> okay, no, no, no. All right, yeah. King and Rumpsky, let's do just a quick little the uh, theology lesson, okay? So from the very, from when you, from when you confess, or rather, sorry, from when the priest says, I absolve you of your sins, your sins at that moment are forgiven. The effects of those sins still remain. That, that's getting into the conversation about purgatory and uh, indulgences, not the stereotyped, oh, buying and selling of indulgences, which was not a very common practice. It still happened. It was still wrong. It was still corrupt. It was still bad. But again, it's a generalization that is unfortunately still used today. Um, but you, again, sins are forgiven from the moment the priest says, I absolve you of your sins. That means that you can go to that means you can go to communion, and then when you receive communion, communion itself actually can cleanse, and if any venial sins that you've committed from that confession can actually be forgiven uh, in a couple ways. Either in the confitior, there's actually established a uh, the theology is established that one can receive forgiveness of, of uh, venial sins from that, but also even from communion too. Um, tomorrow in the Novus Ordo calendar is called Divine Mercy Sunday. All that means is that. It is a Sunday that was dedicated to the uh, the apparitions. I forget I forget the name of I'm blanking on the name of of the of the saint, 
but received apparitions, received uh, instructions on this chaplet known as Divine Mercy Chaplet. And essentially, it's a very beautiful prayer. It's a very beautiful, uh, you know, you use a rosary to pray the Chapel of Divine Mercy. It's very beautiful. Um, but yeah, it, it is just an extra thing that you do. It is not actually, it is not a sacrament in any way. It, so I would say, um, that's why for me, when I go to Mass tomorrow, I'm going to a low Sunday. It's called low Sunday or Quasimodo Sunday because I, I do the traditional Latin Mass. Now, I'm sure that the priest who does both rites is going to... Uh, give a, a, a homily from Divine Mercy Sunday because he he does that sometimes. Um, however, yeah, don't worry about it. For anyone who had no idea what I'm just talking about, uh, King Henry Rumsky, I hope that you at least understood where I was coming from. So let's see. Uh, Abomination says, if we based movie projections on the Switch sales, an Animal Crossing movie would make billions. Yeah, and again, there's no guarantee because the film also has to at least be good or passable. And even though I didn't like Super Mario Brothers film, the movie's not trash. I can at least say that much. If the movie was trash, I would be like, what in the world's going on? Uh, Jacques Le Suave over on Odyssey says, I'd argue the Pokemon movie didn't do well because it wasn't a Pokemon movie. Pokemon is about trainers catching and fighting monsters, not a murder mystery. Would a true live-action Pokemon movie do well? Hard to say. Live-action, no. Because the CGI, I think, would just be complete crap. Um, but let's say a full, a fully dedicated, um, you know, adventure film, right? Like an actual Pokemon adventure film. Even then, though, I, again, my premise is that you don't have a one-to-one crossover. That that's the only thing I'm arguing. You don't have a one-to-one crossover between the two. You have some, but you don't have a one-to-one. So. Hopefully that makes sense. Uh, Kicking and Rumsky, yeah, absolutely. Hopefully that helped, yeah. So the sacraments are the most important thing. Tomorrow, Divine Mercy Sunday, all that is is it's the name of the Sunday. Uh, it's a basically think of it as like a feast day. So it's a, it's a special feast that was designated for this specific Sunday. The first Sunday after Easter is Divine Mercy Sunday in the Novus Ordo. In the traditional Latin Mass and the traditional calendar, it's typically called Quasimodo Sunday. Sometimes it's called Low Sunday. Um, and so, yeah. But I, I would recommend looking into the Divine Mercy Chaplet. It's, again, it's a beautiful prayer. But it, that's what it is. It's a prayer. All righty then. I saw someone put this and they didn't tag me, but I love it. Anyway, it says subtitles for Chris Nolan movies only. Yes. Uh, at the very least, we could say for Tenet that you would definitely need subtitles. Unless you go in hyper-focused. Alexander, why do you hate pineapples? You have no taste. Uh, it's because I just don't, I don't like the taste or the texture. It's more so of a texture issue with me, but. Then says, John Cooper of the awesome Christian band Skillet has a big beard like you. Uh, Odin is right. We just hate Disney. <laughs> yeah. And again, I think that that is, I, I think that some people are using Mario as a vehicle for anti-Disney rhetoric and i understand it completely again you you won't find me defending disney anytime soon but the movie's not anti-disney the movie you could say shows oh this is what happens disney when you actually give fans fan service and don't try to shove politics but once again we still need to expect more right to me the defense of mario is very similar in an eerie way and it's interesting because Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Soy Griggs, Shill of the Year is what Soy means, by the way, for him. Jeremy Soy Griggs. 
Also liked another film featuring Chris Pratt called The Tomorrow War. And his number one defense of that movie was, it, uh, well, it's not, it's not woke. And I said it then, I'm going to say it now. That's not a good defense. Now, that's not his primary defense of this movie specifically, but it does still come up or at the very least implied in conversation. And just because a film is not woke does not make the film a good movie. And we need to be demanding good movies. Not just non-political movies, not just non-woke movies. We need to be demanding good movies. So that's why I look at I look at what they're doing with Mario, and I think to myself, all that this money is going to do is it's going to incentivize Nintendo to put out more half-hearted stories because they know that's all they have to do. And that's why I appreciate Jeremy saying, hey, this is where you're starting off, but in the future for your other films, you're going to need to, especially if you're going to start to go and, and do a Zelda movie, for instance. You got to have a good story then. You got to have a good story when you have your more narratively intensive uh, IPs. Mario has never really been narratively intensive before, right? So you, you, you're you going to need to do that. But here's the reason why I think this film's success is, is again, a bit of a double-edged sword. It's a good thing in that people who love the film, who love the franchise, who love the IP are seeing the film do very well. And you're seeing this happen while almost everything Disney does falls to, to crap. But remember, you're also having a studio realize... Oh, we barely did any effort whatsoever writing that story, and people still bought it. Oh, let's try it again. So that's why I would definitely say, definitely hold them to a higher standard. Hold any studio to a higher standard. Just because a movie's a quote-unquote kids movie doesn't mean much of anything. Because even kids movies can be competently written. It was the same defense for uh, Sonic. Remember when I came out and I was like, I didn't think that the first Sonic film was okay. The second Sonic film was not good. And people said, you're being overcritical. It's a kid's movie. It's a Sonic movie. It's a movie. And it needs to have a good story. Simple as that. General Wingster says, I recently joined Rumble and followed you, but I can't seem to be able to chat. Is it not available there or am I being stupid? Uh, it should be available there. Um, because Kinkane Rumski is able to chat. I don't know. I think that if you're on mobile, maybe it is that you can't. There was some issue where I think mobile viewers can't chat or desktop. One of the two couldn't chat for a long time. I thought that that was fixed, but maybe I'm wrong. And um, it just might be the wrong part of the page then. Because uh, just try to find it. Just find a fi- try to find a box with King Kane Rumsh- King Kane Rumsky's name. Uh, and, and then you'll know you're in the right place. <laughs> yeah Jacques Lassau that's why I assumed over on Odyssey he said uh, he meant an animated film not live action yeah I assumed as much by the way Jacques thank you for, for hanging out appreciate you appreciate you alright 811 in the chats 53 people still watching thank y'all for for still being here so make sure you smash the like button like the fire button Odyssey smash the rumble button as well I'm not used to catching up with the chat so uh, appreciate all of y'all's comments so far. General Winkster says, I'm on mobile, so that might be the problem. Yes, I think then that might be the that might be the problem. Because I thought they had gotten that fixed, but maybe they haven't. Um yeah. Cause whenever I go over to Rumble, I usually notice like there are several people watching, but there's only ever Kinkane Rumshi usually commenting. 
And so what that tells me is a couple of things. Either one, there's lurkers there, which happens, or, and I think this is the more likely, there are some people who are watching or listening on mobile and didn't actually respond. See, Kimberly G says, I didn't realize that you hate pineapple. Maybe it'll get close to a billion, but not cross that line. I can't stand watermelon, so I understand. Yeah, I mean, anyone who has issues with texture especially will understand where I'm coming from with, and not, this is not just pineapple. It's, it's most, um, any, any real fleshy fruit I have problems with. Um, I remember I was in a, I've, I've always been open about this. I'm a musical theater kid. Did musical theater for most of my life. Um, in fact, in one place in New Orleans, I did musical theater there for 20 years. I actually was able to end as the lead during the 20th year I had been there. And so it was a beautiful way to kind of finish that before moving up to uh, to Chattanooga. But in that, uh, when I, it was in 2009, oh my goodness, crazy that the time is just I can't believe that was over a decade ago at this point anyway in 2009 I was cast as the role of Adam in the musical Children of Eden beautiful musical by the way you don't have to be religious to to enjoy the music either and in that obviously there's the eating of the forbidden fruit which is usually represented as an apple even though if you read scripture it actually it, it, it says fruit it doesn't say you know what kind of fruit uh, specifically but traditionally it's been understood to be an apple so in it, though, we actually decided we decided to use an actual real apple. So Eve eats of it first, right? And then and then I, Adam, eat of it after this beautiful song where it's like, my heart is split, I don't know where to go. That's an oversimplification of the song. And so it was funny, though, because I, when it comes to fleshy fruits, my gag reflex gets, gets impacted. And so I knew I had to eat the apple on, on stage. And I obviously I could have faked it, I could have faked eating the apple, but me as the theater person, I was like, no, I want to, I want to fully embrace this this character. It's gonna, you know, help me, uh, you know, help me with the performance as well. And so, luckily though, I had the best. Uh, it was double. The eaves were double cast, so I, I had the best eaves in the business. And so one of them especially was very aware of the fact that I, I did not like, you know, apples. I did not, I did not, I did not like fleshy fruits. And so she would always make sure to take like a, a, a big enough bite out of it so that the fleshy part would be at least exposed for me to be. I know it sounds disgusting, but again, when you're in theater, it's <laughs> when you're in theater, it's not really as disgusting as you would think. Um, and so I would always appreciate that. But even then, even with that, there would usually be at least a little bit of the skin. And that was what it was always tough. And it was so funny because in old videos, I'll have to try to find those and, uh, trying to share some of that with y'all, but you'll see, I'm literally chewing on this tiny piece, like literally like this, this, this size piece of apple. I'm chewing on it for a solid, like maybe minute, two minutes because I'm like frantic. Like I need to get this out of my mouth before, <laughs> before my next line. And so you'll, you see me like just like, duh, 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 duh. and literally the second before my line, you see me go, we will is my line. And it's because it took me that long to actually be able to like break it down enough to be able to consume it without throwing up. <laughs> anyway, uh, hope that you enjoyed that random story from my life. King Kane Rumsky says, are you saying that you swapped? 
He's saying his spots pit. Well, we kissed. We kissed. Three times, actually. Um, and so... <laughs> oh, those were the days. So I remember um, with one of the eaves... We it was funny because we we had actually had dated like a couple years earlier, um, and we were just friends. I mean, be, me, both me and the Eves were, were were friends. We were all like actually longtime friends, but I'd actually dated one of them like a couple years earlier. It was one of those showman's uh, relationships. Didn't last very long at all. Um, but it was funny because when we we were both so like we were at the point where we knew the script very well, and so normally when you get to that level where everything's great, you're not worried about your lines because you 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 know your lines and you know, you know, for in this case she knows her lines, right? It then becomes like a game, right? If you don't if you've done theater before, you know that there's like this game component, you know, and it's what makes it fun. And so we decided that for the three kisses that we have, every night before we would run on stage, we would randomly decide our order. And by that I mean, and it actually it came from during rehearsal when we were finally actually doing the kiss we didn't know which direction to lean. And so the first time we tried the kiss, literally we were like, uh, 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 <laughs> which, which way are you going? And so it became a thing for the show where we would say, okay, tonight we're doing left, left, right. So literally it'd be like, first kiss, going to left. Like your, your, your head would tilt left, your head would tilt right. And it was so much fun because we would be like, all right, tonight, left, left, left. All right, tomorrow night, left, right, left. And it would just be random every single time. And so it was always funny to go back and rewatch those because I'd be like, oh, that that night was was left right or left. <laughs> King Kane Rumsky says too much information. Wow, why? It was it was before I was married. I was not in a relationship with anybody at the time, and it didn't mean anything because it was it was in a show, and it was just a like again, just a basic kiss. Uh, yeah, I've had a few <laughs> I've had a few roles where actually I have had to had had to kiss my co star. Uh, says most Hollywood stars have clauses like no nudity or kissing. Odin's would be no fleshy fruit. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. Be, being married to a uh, being married. Also the, the lady Freya, she did theater as well. And so, um, you know, what's so funny though. If I, if I was like a big Hollywood actor, um, you know what's so funny though is that she would probably be completely on board with those, like that being obviously the no nudity thing would absolutely be in my contract because no heck no like that's that's y- y'all know y'all know how I react to most of that in in films I'm very very critical of it, um but you know what like the kissing thing probably wouldn't you know because again we're we're both so comfortable with who we are and with our relationship that you know that's not the kind of thing that gets us you know. All right, let's see. Alexander, do you think medieval Catholics would be okay with Hollywood? Heck no. Modern day Hollywood has so many like satanic and demonic elements in it. Like it's crazy. Uh, Let's see. Abomination over on Rumble. Whoa, Abomination. What are you doing? Crossing the streams. Uh, Says, I see Wingster's text put in the comment section on mobile. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Abomination. Yeah. Um, So, so General Wingster. Yeah. So, I always get that too. People, whenever I go live, I'll get random notifications that I've had a comment on the stream. And so, yeah, people often will leave comments, but that's not the chat box. So chat box, it looks like a typical chat box. Anyway. Uh, Kimberly G. 
says, I sometimes have nightmares like that sequence in Top Secret where I haven't studied for my finals and I'm still in school. Oh, no. Well, I mean, again, it wasn't always uh, sunshine, and sh- sunshine and roses for me in theater. Um, when I was a senior, I, I got a lead in a play and it was such a bad year for me, like for so many different things going on, but especially in workload at school versus being able to memorize lines. It was embarrassing. I I did not have, I had two monologues in, in this play and I wasn't able to memorize either of them. So one of them I actually had to record. Oh, what a, we're talking about like low moments of career. Not that theater was ever like a career for me, but low moments of like my time in theater. That was the lowest of the low because literally what I did, because this, this was again, how much I dropped the ball with my role. I had to, I turned my back to the audience and then the monologue played in over the speakers. It was, oh, it was so embarrassing. And then for the last monologue, I ended up doing half memorized, half reading it off of the script that was on the table, uh, hidden by newspapers. Uh, it was awful. So yeah, I, I, I luckily that was prior to getting the the leads in the the production company that I, that I ended up doing a lot of shows with. Um, but I was luckily able to uh, to redeem myself after that. But that was by far the lowest of the low. And if anyone knows theater, you know, that's awful. Uh, Padre, Concinero, what's going on? Uh, since you were so much theater, do you still remember whole segments of dialogue or songs? Or is it fragmented or even gone? Oh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, so I definitely think that there are a lot of things that I still remember. Songs are music in general, right? And there's actually a lot of studies even uh, with like pa- patients who have dementia where music is just something that transcends. There's something just about music that transcends all um, time and space in this, again, ethereal way. That's one of the reasons why when it comes to the mass, right? Why for me, Gregorian chant is such an important, crucial element that that should never have been lost in, in the mass in today's world because there's something so transcendent about Gregorian chant. Um, but anyway, music in general also tends to have those qualities to it. So for when it comes to the songs, most of those songs I still have memorized because you don't usually forget those songs. If there's one song where I would probably struggle a little bit, one of the last roles that I did was the music man. I was Harold Hill and there's a song in there called trouble. Oh, we got trouble right here. In River city with a capital T and that rhymes with P and that stands for pool, right? Let's see the first lines are, well, you got trouble, my friend right here. I say trouble right here. River city. Right. Again, even then I'm already starting to, to miss out on it. If I sat down, I could relearn it very easily because once you've memorized something, repetition is the key to learning anything. I could probably get that stuff down. And then if I really, if someone asked for one of my roles and like to go back and forth, there might be some things that I could go with. Um, but what's interesting about all that, when it comes to memorizing things, there's actually one thing I've memorized that has stuck with me since ninth grade. Actually, no, scratch that. Eighth grade Spanish. I had a teacher who's, he said this every, almost every class. And so I remember it for that reason too. He said, repetition is the key to learning a language. Always said it. He had us memorize conversations though. And so there's a conversation and I think it might be a standard one. So some of you might even know this. If you ever took a Spanish class, maybe you've already known this one. Uh, The conversation is known as Hola Isabel. All right. Hello, Isabel. So it's like, so again, I learned this eighth grade. 
and I've never forgotten. Hola, Isabel, ¿cómo estás? Estoy bien, gracias. ¿Y tú? Bien, gracias. Oye, ¿quién, quién es ese chico? Es un amigo mío. ¿Cómo se llama? Se llama Juan. Ven y te lo presento. Juan, ¿y que, y que lo presentate un, un amigo? Uh, anyway, I just put myself on the spot there, but that's like three-fourths of the conversation. So the vast majority of that, I still have remembered and memorized. The other one that is oftentimes known is, uh, Oye, ¿quién es esta...? ¿Quién? No. Um, the other one is... Oye, uh, uh, no, no, it's, uh, ¿dónde, est ¿Dónde está la biblioteca? Ahí delante. That's the only part I remember of that conversation. Anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah, so it was a good question, Padre Cocinero, but make sure, yeah, put just put at Odin at the very beginning of your comment, at Odin. Abomination over on Rumble says, can't find the chat box, but apparently the Rumble button isn't synchronized, or at least not for me. It shows four on one screen and five on another. Interesting. ¿Dónde está la biblioteca? Ahí delante. Exactly. Yeah, ¿dónde está la biblioteca? <laughs> Most people know that one, right? Um, even in uh, the film Hocus Pocus, they have the French tape, right? And I believe the the, the thing that, <laughs> that she learns, Bette Midler, before she went insane, uh, was the French for, for where is the library. Abomination over on Odyssey says, why was one of your lines talking about Juan's pet ferret's food dish being empty? <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know if I said, I must have, I must have not pronounced it very well, but there was nothing about food dish being empty. At least not that I can remember. It was, oh, who is your friend? Oh, his name is Juan. Let me go introduce you to him. Este, es, están, uh, ¿Quién es ese chico? Es un amigo mío. ¿Cómo se llama? Se llama Juan. Ven y te lo presento. Juan. And then it went on from there. That's that's where I, I've I've now since lost. <laughs> all right. It is 826. Bombination says, no, that was all fine. I'm just trolling. Okay. <laughs> I was like, oh boy. I hope I didn't mess things up too much. Uh, let's see. Ben Burt says, which film adaptation of stage musicals should not have been made and which ones would you like to see made? Um, I talked about this one more recently. There is a random adaptation that was made on Netflix, I think. Is that Netflix or Disney Plus? I think it's Netflix. They did an adaptation of 13 the musical and it's one of the worst things I've ever seen in my entire life. It was my least favorite movie of 2022. It was awful. It was terrible. Um... And uh, and I don't recommend anyone watch it. The musical is great. I love the musical. And they could have done a pretty good adaptation with it too. But they, they changed so many things and it was just bad. Um, and then which ones would I like to see? I mean, I don't really want to see any, to be honest. Because I don't, I don't, I just, I want movies to be movies. I, I don't want them to continue to be adaptations of other things, right? I think the musicals that I would want to, I would want to see are so good where they are on stage. Nothing would be added. I'm intrigued by what they're going to do with Wicked. That thing's been in production for like ever. Um, or pre-production forever. I don't know where they are with that one. But Wicked the Musical. Great musical. And if they do it right, it could be a good adaptation. I just don't think they're going to do it right. I, I just don't think it's going to translate very well. So, anyway, General Winkster says, I took four years of Spanish and barely remember anything. Yeah, I took it for about a decade. Because uh, I started fifth grade. Because in middle school, the middle school I went to was Spanish. So it was 5th, 6th, and 7th were, uh, were Spanish. High school was a five-year with uh, pre-freshman year, eighth-grade year. 
all five years Spanish. And then I did two out of the four years of college. I think it was two. I did Spanish. And I, I knew enough Spanish and I still have some grasp on it where I can read Spanish pretty well. I could never speak it. I could never have conversations. I could read it well. And if someone had a question, I, I worked at a, uh, a bookstore in New York and we had, um, it was, it was at a church. And so we had a lot of the, the Hispanic members of the community would sometimes come in and have questions. I would sometimes be able to help translate, but I would usually have to have them break it into very basic Spanish. I, I was good to read. I was never good at, um, uh, speaking. That was always the level I could never get to. Alexander, why would God be okay with people watching Hollywood, a place of heresy? Uh, it's a very random question, so I'm just not even going to address that one. <laughs> oh, man. Let's see. Cthulhu, speaking of musicals, do you think Joker 2 is a good idea? It sounds like a failure to me um, to make it a pseudo-musical. And again, it, I, I think I've talked about this one before. So I think that if they, if they do it right, it could work well, right? If if the whole movie's not a musical and instead it's moments that turn into musical moments and it's because you're going into the crazed mind of the Joker, then that, then that, that might be able to work. That takes a very delicate balance though. And if we know anything about Hollywood, even good directors, when it comes to sequels, when it comes to follow-ups, when you have something so great as the first Joker film is, um, and you think about other films too, where like the first film in the franchise is so good. And then the follow-up just doesn't match it. I don't think it's going to, I just don't think it's going to reach it. <laughs> General Winkster, <laughs> you be nice to Padre. Uh, don't, I keep forgetting to put at, yeah, come on, man. Come on, man. What are you doing? What are you doing? It says, I think Plato thought music highest of arts, but also most dangerous because it affected the passion so deeply. I think he is on to something and why liturgy and music are so interwoven. Oh, oh for absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's why in the beginning of the year this year, for the first time, I, I did an intro to philosophy. And it's just fascinating to read the works of Plato and of Aristotle. And especially with Aristotle, you, get, you start to realize how close these Greek philosophers got to a Judeo-Christian understanding of a higher power. I mean, the five proofs of uh, Aquinas and how rooted they are in Aristotle's, right, I think are just very uh, poignant, showing what human reason can can actually know. It's it's pretty great. But anyway, with all that being said, uh, we'll go ahead and we're at time. So we'll go ahead and end things there. Thank you, everybody, for showing up tonight to my Odyssey fam, to my Rumble fam. And to my YouTube fam, King and Rumshi says, don't be mad, but I hate musicals. I, I am pretty mad, okay? Because it makes me wonder what musicals you've seen. I, I highly recommend Hollywood classic, Singing in the Rain. Great musical, great film. Try watching it. Try watching it. I would recommend it. General Wingster says, Odin is all the fruit. Oh, goodness. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, with all of that being said... Uh, by the way, I mentioned this on Friday Night Tights uh, at one point too, but if you're looking for something Harry Potter related, because I, uh, I know Harry Potter's in the news again because they are apparently in the works to do a 10-year series on, on HBO Max, which is going to become Max very soon. Um, and I would say if you like Harry Potter, on Amazon Prime, there is a show. It's an off-Broadway show that got filmed called Puffs. And yes, that is a hilarious name for a show, Puffs. Uh, 
but it is great. And it's very, very funny. It's very, very clever. So I would recommend it. It's not a musical. It is a, it's a play, but it's a comedy and it's fantastic. So if you like Harry Potter, I'd recommend it. Good cast, uh, good writing, and just a fun time to, to boot. Anyway, if you like it, like Harry Potter, go ahead and check that out. Anyway, with all that being said, thank you again for being here. Uh, to all those, uh, to those who donated, to those who hung out and smashed the like button, light the fire button, and lit up the uh, smash the like button, lit up the fire button, and smash the rumble button. Thank you. It really does mean a lot. Anyway, great Buddha. I hate musicals too. Love music videos. Ugh, that's just. <sighs> I'm triggered by that. Anyway, what we what have we learned tonight? Super Mario Brothers very likely going to hit a billion dollars. And we've also uh, talked a little bit about my love for anime and especially the works of Makoto Shinkai. Uh, go check out Suzume. It's great, uh, but I would definitely recommend seeing your name first. And again, team team subbed all the way. Laura then says, by the way, my optometrist loved my Pizza Time shirt. Yes! Yes, if you want your own Pizza Time shirt, features uh, the cartoon Odin that you see in all my thumbnails, eating pizza, it says Pizza Time. Uh, check out my... I believe that's my uh, Teespring store. You can find links to those in the top link in the video description below. I always forget to <laughs> to push the shirts, but yeah, there's fun shirts on Spring. I've got a couple of designs on TeePublic and a couple other places, but Spring has like most of the designs there. Um, but anyway, with all that being said, you guys are all amazing and beautiful people. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. By the way, I finally, because Lent is over, have... For my throat to look forward to ice cream, which, by the way, comes from Music Man. If anyone's wondering where the singing of ice cream came from, came from DLive originally because donations there were lemons and then ice creams was the next level after that. And then I was singing it because I was doing the line from from uh, Music Man. Anyway, you guys are great. Have a wonderful rest of your evening, a blessed rest of your weekend, a blessed rest of your Easter Saturday, and a blessed low Quasimodo Sunday tomorrow. And as always, God bless. And now for a huge special shout out to all of my Patreon, Subscribestar, and Locals members who are at the Keeper of the Bifrost level and above. Starting off with Patreon with Father Luca Illick, Garrett Searles, Joe Horn, Jonathan Carney, Orange Hat Reviews, who you can check out over at his YouTube channel by the same name, Laura, the Modern Major General Story, Rosetta Allen, who you can check out at her YouTube channel at Eagle Writer, and Miss Modern Muses, who you can check out at her YouTube channel by the same name as well. To my Subscribestar people, we got Matt317, check him out on his Twitch channel by the same name, Fast Reaction, The R, Mr. Roy, J-Rod, The Beer Guru, and The K-Man. And you can check out The K-Man over at xtheboundaries.co. And lastly, to my Locals members, Miss Minnesota Hockey Fan, How About a Hockey Player, J.H. Schwalbach, Brett D90, and the amazing lawyer, Robert Barnes. If you want your name shout out at the end of every video and live stream, check out the top link in the video description below to join the Keeper of the Bifrost level. You also get access to other things like a podcast that I do every month with John the Flick Pick and also I do giveaways for my Keeper of the Bifrost level people and above and also my Chosen of Valhalla monthly stream. If any of that stuff sounds interesting, especially those giveaways, which I do give away 4K steelbooks, all kinds of stuff all month long, check out that top link. You're all amazing and beautiful people. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day, a blessed Easter, and as always, God bless.